Well, thank you, worship team. Uh, today we're uh, gathering together today and we're continuing on a series of messages on kingdom justice and mercy. And today we're going to look at kingdom forgiveness. And all of these messages are built upon some of the key verses that we've talked about already, Micah 6, 8, and Colossians chapter 3, verses 12 and 13. But today I want to focus on uh, verse 13 of Colossians, and it talks about forgiveness. What happens when we are truly forgiven by God? What happens in our soul? And what happens when we are able then to forgive other people? And what happens when we cannot forgive other people? I came across a powerful play that talks about forgiveness. It's called The Black Angel by Michael Christopher. And in this play, Christopher uh, focuses on a German general named Engel, who tried to make a new life for himself after the war. So he settles outside a French village up in the mountains. He's been imprisoned for 30 years for war crimes. And the Nuremberg court convicted him. And he's hoping that he can get away, build a home for him and his wife, and slowly forget and be forgiven. And hopefully, other people will forget and forgive. So he builds this log cabin near this French village. And in the play, there is a journalist named Moreau who finds out that Engel has been set free. And he is determined to take revenge on Engel. Why? Because his entire family was massacred in a small village that the general had destroyed and, and killed everyone in that village, including his own family. And so Moreau says to himself, if the courts won't convict and kill Engel, then I will. And so he goes to that French village nearby where the cabin was built, where Engel and his wife are, and he incites the people, telling them of the war crimes that Engel had done. And so they forge a plan to burn down his cabin and kill him and his wife. And so before he does that, being a journalist, Moreau says, I want to find out why did he do it and how does he feel about it? And so that very day in the morning, he goes to Engel's cabin and he meets with him and his wife and they talk way into the afternoon. And to his surprise, Engel shows remorse and regret for the things that he has done. And he's actually waiting to download his guilt to someone who would, could, he could trust, someone that he could talk to about what he had done. And moved by the general's repentance, what uh, Moreau does was he says, look it, I want to be honest with you. You're going to be killed tonight. The villagers have conspired a plan, and they're going to come to your home tonight and burn it down and kill you and your wife. Please, come with me. We can find a way out of this. And so Engel looks at Moreau and says to him, on one condition only, that you forgive me for what I've done. And Moreau looks back at him 
And he says, I can save you. I can get you out of here, but I cannot forgive you. I cannot forgive you. And that night, the villagers come. They shoot both Angle and his wife and burn down his cabin. The play ends abruptly right there, and all the viewers are left gasping for answers. Why? What happens when we don't forgive? What happens in our souls when we don't have the ability to forgive? You know, last week in our breakout rooms, and every time we have this service, uh, those that are live on the service, we end up breaking out into some small groups, and we discuss things. And last week, we were able to talk with Jim Swinnerton, my wife's brother, who started a new ministry and has joined a new ministry uh, called Saving Grace in Buffalo, New York. And what he does is he works with parolees who have... Uh, has some difficult and uh, uh, committed some uh, grievous crimes. But they're out on parole and they're in a halfway house. And what had happened was that they found out that there was another group called Op Overwatch, a group of Christian police officers who wanted to meet with parole parolees or former criminals and talk about their Christian faith. And so what they did is they set up this meeting and it was actually this last Wednesday. And Jim was talking about it, and he was so excited about it that this was going to take place at his church, Firehouse Church. And so about 12 to 15 people came together, four officers, the rest parolees. And they began to talk about their lives. And one officer, one police officer, shared his story about how a gang member had taken an AK-47 and shot him and almost killed him. And still to this day, he has irreparable damage from that gunshot wound. But while he was recovering in the hospital, he had the faith to come to Christ, but then also to forgive those that had attacked him. On hearing this, one of the parolees stood up and said, I'm Frankie. I was in prison for 42 years. I killed a police officer. And I've regretted it ever since. In fact, I remember at my court, uh, my court sentencing, and the family stood up and explained how I had taken their father, their husband, their son away from them. And I just cannot get rid of the guilt I feel. And in tears, Frankie stood up and he asked those four officers, would you, as brothers of that officer, would you forgive me? And at that moment, there wasn't a dry eye in the group. The officers extended forgiveness towards Frankie. And Frankie received that forgiveness. Afterwards, they closed in prayer, and another parolee prayed for the police officers. It was a beautiful sight to see forgiveness and reconciliation happening within a very unusual place between criminals and police officers. Isn't that something what we need today, for that to happen today? I think it can only happen as people receive forgiveness in their lives. And God wants us to understand that. He wants us to receive that forgiveness in our lives. But you know what? 
In order for forgiveness to be given and received, in order for us to forgive others, we have to understand how much we have been forgiven. And that's really the hallmark of Christianity. Forgiveness is one of the hallmarks, one of the attributes that we are able to give forgiveness to others. It's one of the foundations of kingdom justice and mercy. And you can say, Al, but look at, isn't, hasn't racism, injustices, wars, genocide, even slavery, people have used the Bible to actually uh, use the Bible to commit these crimes and, and, and affirm other people and get people to do these things. And yes, I have to admit, that's true. There has been atrocities done by religious people, but I do not believe those people were the true followers of Jesus Christ. See, people can be religious, but yet not have the Holy Spirit controlling and influencing their life. But there's always been a remnant, there's always been a group of people that have the desire and the capacity to show loving kindness, to be filled with compassion, kindness, gentleness, patience, and love towards other people. And that's the kind of kingdom people we want to be. That's the kind of kingdom people God calls us to be. And he does it as we receive his forgiveness, as we understand that in our lives. Before loving kindness of God can really flow in a person's heart, there needs to be the experience of forgiveness from God that transforms the very soul of a person. And then that gives them the ability and the capacity to forgive themselves and other people. That's really what God wants to do. See, when we refuse to forgive, the consequence that we suffer is tremendous. And so Jesus often taught his disciples about forgiveness. When you look in the Gospels, this idea of forgiveness is always taught. There's a story that I just love in John chapter 8. They bring uh, to Jesus a woman caught in the very act of adultery. And they bring, him to Jesus, bring her to Jesus and uh, tell him, uh, this woman was caught in the act of the adultery. Moses' uh, law says we should stone her. What do you say we should do, Jesus? And so Jesus uh, bends down on the ground and begins writing in the sand. And he writes something that must have been profound. We don't know what it was. And then as he writes, he says, let anyone who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. And then he begins writing down again. What is he writing this time? Maybe he's writing the names of those from the oldest to the youngest, or maybe some of their sins that they've committed that no one knows about but him. And then Jesus, it says in John chapter 8, verses 10 and 11, Jesus straightened up and each one of them begins to leave from the youngest to the oldest. They begin to walk away from the woman and leave the place. And it's only Jesus and this woman left. And then Jesus straightens up and asks her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? And she says, No one, sir. And then he says, Neither do I condemn you, Jesus declared. Go now and leave your life of sin. See, the only one left in that place was God and the woman, the Lord Jesus Christ. And the woman was there. 
And Jesus did not condemn her. He forgave her, and he told her to leave her life of sin. And now she had the capacity and the ability to do that because she was forgiven. What freedom we can experience when we experience the forgiveness of God in our lives. I've often told the story of Louis Zapparini, who was told in the book, his life story was told in the book Unbroken and in the movie. He was a prisoner of war, World War II, uh, in the Japanese internment camp. And uh, he suffered tremendously, and finally he was set free. He went back home to the United States, but he suffered from the post-traumatic uh, stress syndrome, and he became an alcoholic. He was married. His uh, uh, marriage was almost uh, in shambles. He almost was divorced. And then he went to a Billy Graham uh, meeting, and there he heard the gospel, and he received Jesus Christ into his life. And for the first time, he began to understand what Jesus did to forgive him of his sin. And he was carrying a lot of shame and a lot of guilt for the things that he had said and done to his wife after he came back from the war. He was living in a lot of fear, and yet it was all taken away when he opened up his life to Jesus Christ. In 1950, he returns to Japan goes to the very place, the internment camp and the prison where he was a prisoner, and he meets with the Japanese guards that were abusing him, and he forgives them. He forgives them, and then shares the gospel with them, and many of them came to know Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior. Amazing what happened because Louis, Louis Zapparini received the forgiveness of God, and then was able to give that out to those that had hurt him. I don't think that can ever happen unless the Holy Spirit is at work in your life. But that is so true for every person. Jesus calls all of us to forgive, to be forgiven, and then to forgive others. In Matthew chapter 18, there's a story that is told, and, and Jesus tells a story, but it comes on the question that Peter has, and he comes up to Jesus, and he asks him, Lord, how often should I forgive someone who sins against me? Uh, seven times? Not seven times, Jesus replied, but 70 times seven. Then, as only Jesus can do, Jesus begins to tell this parable, this story, and it talks about kingdom forgiveness. He says, therefore, the kingdom of heaven can be compared to a king who decided to bring his accounts up to date with servants who had borrowed money from him. And in the process, one of his debtors was brought in who owed him millions of dollars. He couldn't pay, so his master ordered that he be sold, along with his wife, his children, and everything he owned, to pay the debt. Clearly, it wasn't enough to pay the debt, but he was going to be in debtor's prison. But the man, he falls down before his master and he begs him, please, please be patient with me. I'll pay it all back. I'll pay it all back. And then his master was filled with pity for him. And he released him and he forgave him the debt. What an amazing story of forgiveness of this master. You would think this servant was so thankful. But when the man left the king, 
he went to a fellow servant who owed him a few thousand dollars. And he grabbed him by the throat, demanded that he bring him instant payment. The man couldn't pay. The fellow servant fell down before him. He begged for a little more time. Be patient for me. I'll pay it, he pleaded. But his creditor wouldn't wait. The man would not wait. The man who had been forgiven millions of dollars just couldn't wait anymore. He had the man arrested, put in prison until the debt would be paid in full. And then some of the other servants of the king, they saw what was happening. They became very upset. They went to the king and told him the whole story. And the king called the man who had just been forgiven of the debt. And he said, you evil servant, I forgave you the tremendous debt because you pleaded with me. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? And then the angry king sent the man to prison to be tortured until he had paid his entire debt. And then Jesus concludes this parable with the story. That's what my heavenly father will do to you if you refuse to forgive your brothers and sisters from your heart. Wow. Jesus, so loving and kind and so forgiving, asks us to forgive as we've been forgiven. That's the standard in the kingdom of God. That's kingdom forgiveness. C.S. Lewis said this, to be a Christian means to forgive the inexcusable because God has forgiven the inexcusable in you and in me. Think about all that God has forgiven you. Think about the obvious things that we've done wrong and think about the secret sins that we all carry. He's forgiven it all. His blood on the cross wiped it all out. Now, we can often think that the message of forgiveness in Christianity is so easy. Just confess your sin and God will forgive you. But we don't realize the tremendous cost involved in God forgiving us of our sin. All we have to do is look at the cross. The cross tells us the seriousness of what it costs Jesus to forgive us of our sin. He took our sin upon himself at the cross, and then he absorbed all the sin of all the world on the cross. Not only did he die a torturous physical death, but it was also emotional and it was also spiritual. Jesus suffered on the cross and shed his blood for our forgiveness. And when we receive that forgiveness, when we receive and understand that forgiveness and the Holy Spirit enlightens it to us, it changes our whole perspective on life. It changes it like uh, Frankie was forgiven and understood that. It changes it like Louis Zapparini was forgiven and he understood it. See, when we receive the forgiveness, we have the ability then to forgive others. So we need to calculate the immense forgiveness that we have been given in Christ and the extreme mercy and grace that has been poured out upon us and receive that in our life in order that we'll be able to forgive as God has forgiven us. That's why Colossians chapter 3, verse 13 says this, Bear with each other and forgive one another if any one of you has a grievance against someone. If anybody has a grudge against somebody, if anybody is holding on to something, 
bear with the other person and forgive them. Forgive, it says, as the Lord has forgiven you. So what are some action steps that we can take to, to practically pull this into our lives and then begin to live it out? Well, first of all, the first thing that we could do is gain a greater understanding of all that God has forgiven us in Christ. You know, 1 John 1.9 says, If we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Our part is to confess our sin. We have a safe place in Jesus Christ to confess, to be honest before God and confess our sin. In that story of the black angel, Angle was looking for somebody to confess his sin to that could forgive him. And Moreau just couldn't do it. He refused to do it. But Jesus Christ, if we come to him humbly, honestly, he'll always forgive us. Because he paid for our sin at the cross. And then from that place of forgiveness, we receive and then forgive forgiveness to other people. That's what the scripture says in Ephesians chapter 4, 32. It says, forgive as you have been forgiven. And number three is then take the risk of asking forgiveness from someone you have offended. If you know that there's somebody that you have offended or who has built up a wall against you or has shut you out from their life for some reason, maybe you could go to that person if you know what you did wrong, you could confess that sin to them. If you don't know, you could ask them. It takes a tremendous amount of faith and courage to do something like that because you're actually putting forgiveness for your offense in somebody else's hand. You do it humbly. You give them permission. You don't demand forgiveness from them. You ask them. And in them forgiving you, you are set free and they are set free from that debt. It's a beautiful thing. True, re true reconciliation can only take place when forgiveness is first given and then received. That's what Matthew chapter 18 is all about. Reconciliation, friendship can form when forgiveness is given and received. And lastly, if granting forgiveness was worth the pain, and the cost that Jesus paid at the cross, then it should be worth it for us to make every effort to live in that forgiveness daily. Don't allow the shame and guilt of your sin keep you from forgiveness. That's the condemnation, that's the guilt that Satan and demonic forces will place upon you. But there is a freedom in coming under the cross of Jesus Christ and understanding that sacrifice was made for you, that was a covenant in his blood given for you so that you could be forgiven. Receive that forgiveness. Live in that forgiveness. And then walk in that forgiveness and share that forgiveness with others. That's really what God's kingdom forgiveness is all about. I'm just amazed in these days ahead, and I'm trusting that God is going to be at work in each of our lives teaching us about kingdom forgiveness. And I'm praying uh, for our nation as well as I'm sure you are, that there would be a sense of forgiveness given 
and received in our day and age when there's so much racial uh, injustice happening today that we need to give and receive forgiveness from one another. Let's be praying. Let's be people of God's kingdom, mercy and justice, who live in forgiveness. Let's pray. Father, we ask that your spirit would take these words from the gospel that you've given us. Apply them into our lives, Lord. Teach us what it means to live in your forgiveness, to walk in forgiveness, and to give forgiveness towards others. Lord, increase our capacity and ability to forgive. Increase our capacity and ability to understand how much we've been forgiven. We pray this in the mighty name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.